0: The Tartan Daily. A Scotland Euro 2020 podcast by Hodgie the Hack. Hello there. A very warm welcome to episode two of The Tartan Daily. Where? We're going to talk about one thing only. Because nowadays, England fans want to talk like they get something to say, but nothing comes out when they move their lips. It's just a bunch of gibberish. And England fans, well, they forgot about Shea. Yes, we are going to talk about Shea Adams. And I have three people flanking me today. Now, the golden rule for podcasts is, you should always do it, with a number of three, a total of that three people. I'm now hearing an echo because I accidentally had my own YouTube page open. This is going well. Uh, So, yes, I have three people flanking me. And two of them are English, one of them is Scottish, because there was no way I was going to be outnumbered. And I thought, given the way that Lee Griffiths embarrassed Joe Hart in the last good match that we played against England, I thought, yeah, let's go 2-2. So, first of all, we have Mark Duffy with us. He's down there in the bottom right, so... And Mark is a Derbyshire-based journalist who's known Shea Adams since he was a teenager and playing non-league football, because that's why I think Shea Adams' story is so interesting. He's gone from non-league to burying England at the Euros, hopefully. Um, Maybe Mark and Will don't want to see it that way, but uh, Mark, thank you very much for joining us, mate. Um, I'm really looking forward to your insights. How are you doing today?
1: Good, thank you. Yeah, really well.
0: Excellent. Um, Above Mark, sitting upstairs from him, we have Will Turner, who is... One of my best mates who I've known for many many years now works on content for the England cricket team and the ECB. But first and foremost, Will, you are a fan of all things Southampton FC, and obviously that's where she Adams plays now. So, how are you doing, mate? You looking forward to the Euros? Very much, very much. Uh, showing there's not a few more Saints players at the tournament, Mr. Prowse in particular, but yeah, very excited, very excited. Yes, well, obviously not the only Saints player in the squad either, and then. Just below me, I have Neil Doherty, who's a fellow Ayrshire boy and a Scottish football author, the author of World Cup 1998, Scotland's story, the France 98 journey. Neil, how are you doing, mate? Are you looking forward to us in a major tournament? Do you think it was going to be 23 years when you wrote the book?
2: Well, I was just chatting to Mark um, beforehand. Thanks for inviting me on, Stuart. No, I, I, I absolutely didn't, and I don't think anybody else w- would have either. Uh, and that was part of it, as I was chatting to Mark about before the, before we went live, it's part of the motivation for writing the book was that I just couldn't really remember. It was so long ago, you know, the last time we actually did it, so trying to think football memories are quite selective. So um that that was part of the part of my motivations for actually writing the book in the first place was trying to um remember so long ago ah. now. So thanks for inviting me on.
0: No, oh, good man. Um Johnny G says, alright Hodge, moan the Scotland, is boogie time and we are going to boogie woogie our way through this podcast. That's what I'm hoping anyway. For anyone that is watching us across the various social media that I've got this streaming down on, you can watch it on YouTube and just keep it running in the background. For anyone that's listening subsequently on the podcast, please, please remember to subscribe afterwards. And anyone that is watching on YouTube now, get involved in the chat, let us know you're there or on other social media as well. I can see all the comments. Feel free to get your questions in for everyone um, and myself. And we'll, we'll try and tackle those over the course of the podcast. But, gentlemen, this is about Shea Adams. But before we get to that, it's about the Euros. And the Euros kicks off tonight. How excited are we? Who wants to go first? I'll go with you, Will, since you're just sitting to my left there.
1: Yeah, uh, it's kind of crept off on me. Uh, I think, given the way Saints' season finished, kind of fell out of love with the game a little bit. But something about international football it just gets you going. And when you see him... You know, the sticker books, the wall charts, all that sort of stuff. it just gets you going again. Um, there's a good plenty of good preview content out there as well and just yeah, you know Turkey, Italy tonight as well. just suddenly it's all kind of hit me in one big go and uh, yeah, there's nothing better than international football and obviously you guys being a major tournament this time around, you know, I can't even begin to imagine how your excitement is me um,
0: like. <laughs> oh, it's unbelievable. Like there's a video that I did on social media of... Um, I was explaining it in episode one of the podcast, which if anybody hasn't checked it out, it was me, Rory Hamilton and Andy Balch. So two commentators actually working in the tournament and then one who's completely out of work and doing a podcast for no reason other than... We're at our first tournament for 23 years. Um, but I mate, like, my buzz has been extreme and I've been listening to that Boogie Woogie back at a song like various times a day, all week. And I've actually I've diversified today. I've gone for the Fratelli's cover instead. 'Cause um like I don't know, like too much too much of a good thing, you know what I mean? Um, so it's, not, it's not your alarm then. You haven't changed it to your alarm. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um I, my alarm's still that beepy thing you get in an iPhone. So um it's, it's not going it's not going any further than that. What about yourself, Neil? Um you buzzing for this? Sorry, I've unmuted I, you mate. I,
2: okay, absolutely. Um, I, I I mean I have been quite fortunate. I've i been mean, very fortunate. i managed to get tickets through the UEFA ballot, so I'll be at Hamden for all three group matches. Um and that that, that i bought I bought those tickets almost two years ago now. Mm, yummy, uh,
0: jammy, 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 man.
2: Yeah, yeah. There was a, so many times I could have lost the tickets and I don't know, I was at Euro sixteen as a football tourist because <laughs> for my dad. And oh, good on you. I went to, I went to seven matches, including England, Wales and Lawrence across 12 days and I don't know if that maybe went for my favour with UEFA, you never know with UEFA but I got through the first ballot or so I won the ticket and then we hit COVID and um, obviously thought well there's no chance but uh, every obstacle I, I seem to have overcome and now I do have my ticket for all three group matches so I, I'm feeling fortunate. I will not probably believe it Stuart until I'm walking through the the turnstiles at, at Hamden, but I can imagine um, that, mate. other the, the, the perimeter and the very strict security that it looks, I think it will look very different than anything we've seen before. Oh, um, I, I don't know
0: what they can add because you know, you normally go to these major events and there's people touting tickets and stuff like that. There's so few of them that, and the security factors you mentioned, it just makes me think that it's going to be pretty much an impossibility to get tickets outside the games, you know, and, unless you're carrying about a couple of grand handy, you know. Um, just in the pocket so now nah, i know i think it will be quite hard and yourself mark are you are you looking forward to the tournament
1: yeah i don't know if it's excitement it's it's often more apprehension as to how horrifically it might end for england um, every time we're going to tournament you never know penalties, been a this time. it could be penalties could be a dodgy goal it could be anything. um so um yeah i'm looking forward to it. i think we've we've had to wait a bit longer have not we for for a, for a big tournament um as Will said, it's crept up a bit. It's going to be a bit strange as well without the full stadiums and without the full effect of all the fans traveling around for various games. But obviously England benefit a bit from having so many games here. Um, so purely from from that point of view, it's going to be good. But yeah, yeah just you know, the summer always comes around a bit too soon when the football stops. So we have to go without any for a while. But thankfully this time there's no break. So uh,
0: off we go. No, there we go. But like, this is one of the reasons we've got you on today is to talk about that that journey because football is all about a bit of investment and in the the sort of royal the rovers stuff, isn't it? So people are obviously down south. That a lot has been made of kind of Jamie Vardy, obviously winning the title with Leicester after starting off his career playing in, in the non-league and things like that. It's obviously a fantastic story. Um, we're hoping that She Adams can do similar lift. Uh, an important trophy after going from the non-league but um on the international stage instead now obviously that's a wee bit pie in the sky probably but I, I think it's it's a lot of people won't actually know about Shea Adams' sort of progression. So what I would like you to describe to me, you know, you covered him when he was at Elkiston Town, which was and um, just i literally looking in his Wikipedia, I saw that Odby Town was his was his first club. And it's got It's got him scoring five goals in 33 games at Woodby Town and then only 9-40 and for Elkiston. Now, granted, he was quite a young lad, but that's not the kind of goal return that suggests that you've got an international forward fledgling at that stage. So what was he like when he was a young player, mate?
1: Yeah, I mean, at that point, he was less about goals um, because he was trying to sort of find his best role and position. I mean, just to give you a bit of context with... Ilkeston, because it was actually Ilkeston FC mm-hmm. he was with then. The previous Ilkeston town had gone bust in 2010 uh, and the new club Ilkeston FC formed uh, and had quite a big ethos, uh, a focus on academy football and, and they had a really good setup where they were bringing a lot of kids in from who had been released by football league clubs um, and Shea had previous going to OB he was at uh, Coventry I believe until he was about 14 uh, was released by them, went to OB here, a quite a bit lower level than Ilkeston are, and then at 16, I think it was, he came to Ilkeston because they had a full-time academy. Uh, it was a good place for him to to come and develop under um, Kevin Wilson, um, former Chelsea and uh, Northern Ireland uh, striker, He was manager at Ilkeston at the time. Darren Caskey was there, um, and, and lots of other good youth coaches who he really helped him come on. Um, Ilkeston F.C. have since gone. <laughs> that that club actually only lasted about five six years. They they went bust as well. It's, it, it, the, 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 I could write a book myself about Ilkeston. Um, football history, to be honest, but the, the new club, again, Ilkeston Town, is now um, reformed and, and there's a much brighter future for them. Um, but he, he was there when it was Ilkeston FC. To answer the question, um, he was 16, 17, but he had the physical attributes.
0: Well, I was going to say they the have a man's system. body even at that age because yeah, he yeah, like a powerful set mean, of shoulders on him. Yeah.
1: Often at that age, they're quite still quite wiry and, and physically they struggle, particularly in non-league football, where you've got these brutes of um, centre halves and centre forwards. Um, but he, I think he made his debut. I think it was a cup tie, and he came on as sub. And immediately he looked. We thought, hang I mean, on a minute, he doesn't. He's just his strength on the ball. We thought, you know, yeah, he can't be sixteen. He then sort of broke into the first team during that season, and I think the the, the sort of stats there nine in forty games. A few of those were a sub at the start. But if you go onto YouTube and search Shay Adams and Ilkeston, you'll find some of the goals that he scored, which were three or four were sort of solo efforts from his own half. He'd run, beat players, score. Um, I remember um, the, one of his first games was away at uh, Stanford, uh, mm-hmm. who were top of the league at the time. They'd won all, all their games up to that point. Ilkeston went there. And I, I, to this day, I've not seen a, such a dominant performance by one player. That level of football as I did that night. They won four 0 He set up two goals, scored one, um, and we thought then, hello,
0: you know. And and then he
1: just carried on during that season, developing.
0: See, before that um, debut, you spoke of. Was there a bit of anticipation around the club? Like, did they was there? I thought, like, you know, we've got a special kid that we're going to going to blood this season. Was was there any of that, or did it just kind of come out of nowhere?
1: Well, I think the fact he was put into the first team suggested they had a lot of faith in him. Um, they obviously realised they had something a bit special there internally and then obviously once the fans started to see him play again they're thinking this this kid's got something that even players 10 years older than him didn't have and then it was a question of how long he might stay because obviously a lot of league clubs around the area who who started sniffing around him quite quickly Um, but I think there was one defining moment he scored again this is on YouTube if you've ever look. he scored a goal at Ashton United up in Manchester one day brilliant so